Right, um, so we're in the uh, midst of a series called Rhythm, Rhythms of Grace, and uh, it comes from Matthew 11 in the message version where it says, Jesus says, you know, come and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And what the big idea with this series is about spiritual formation, that we are becoming um, something through what we are doing and everything that's influencing us every day, um, but we want to be people who are becoming more like Jesus, Right? And so we want to allow the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> we want to place ourselves in a space where the Holy Spirit can, can do a work in us. Now, this is not what saves us. We're saved by Jesus Christ, and we're saved by His grace alone. Um, so if you do, don't do these things, it, it's not going to make you more saved or less saved. You're saved. Um, but these things help you to grow in God so that you can receive more of His love and be more like Him. Uh, so this morning, we're looking at the um, practice of fasting, and uh, probably everyone's like, oh, no, <laughs> what about feasting? Like, you know, that, that must be one of the spiritual practices. I'm sure it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and, and Jesus, like last week I talked about, Jesus said, you know, um, he came eating and drinking, like, so Jesus did do feasting as well, but he also did fasting, like, this, this is one of the rhythms of, of Jesus's life. So why don't we stand for um, the reading of the Word, if you don't mind, Matthew 6, verse 16 to 18. Do not look sombre as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Father, I just thank you for your precious, precious word. Um, Lord, I just pray that you would just open our eyes to see glorious things in this word today and that it would go deep, deep into our hearts and transform our lives. Amen. Please be seated. Let's go to the next. Here's a, a very ugly man called Chris Hemsworth. It's a bit awkward when you're trying to do image searches for this because I was like looking for something about this TV show and there's all these like him bodybuilding and doing all these sort of things. I was like, oh. But I found this one, which is a bit more appropriate for church. <laughs> um, I put this up because I don't know if anyone's seen this. Show. Has anyone seen this show? It's on Disney. Um, it's called Limitless. Um, basically, he, he, in this show, it's a, it's a documentary where he's looking at lots of different ways that you can um, increase your life and health and things like that. So he looks at sleeve and lots of you know, um, all these sort of things. And, but one of the, the things he looks at is, is uh, longevity and health, which true, is through fasting. And so he actually does like this five-day fast and the thing, and he's suffering away and all this sort of thing. But one thing that was really interesting in the show was um, they talked about fasting in general because it's a practice that's been around the world since day dot sort of thing in many cultures and religions and faiths. But they, they focused on this family from Ethiopia, and it shows this family who are celebrating Easter by walking to church. The only difference being that the church is three days away. Do you want to go to the next slide, Johnny? The family walks to church without eating a morsel for three days. We're told that the tradition has been handed down from their ancestors, and the patriarch of the family is about 80 or 90, has been following this tradition for the past 68 years and has never fallen ill. Um, the thing that I was really struck by that, because these are, these are Christians, these are, you know, you know go, go right back sort of thing, they've got this ancient practice that's been going on in their, for generations after generations, that this is a normal part of their life, 
So fasting for them is a normal part of their life. And outside of the Western church and the, and the rest of the church, this is a normal part of the Christian experience. And I was like, so struck by that that I'm seeing this in a, in, a, in a TV show, watching a documentary, which is about longevity and feeling well. And I, and I, and I suspect many of us might have heard about fasting in that kind of way, around like intermittent fasting or, or that fasting is might good for your blood sugar or losing weight or things like that. But many of us don't know about fasting from a Christian perspective because it's almost like this neglected lost art. Um, there's probably a lot more people who probably in our world know about fasting through, through Muslims who do Ramadan and things like that than they would know from Western Christians that this is actually a big part of our practice and about how we grow in God. This is our, from John Wesley. Um, next slide, Johnny. I fear that there are now thousands of Methodists, so-called, both in England and Ireland, who are following the same bad example, have entirely left off fasting, who are so far from fasting twice a week that they do not fast twice in a month. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Like this is this shows just like the, the the change that has happened in our culture that it was normal for Christians to fast twice a week. And Christians um, adopted a, the Jewish practice of fasting twice a week because the Jews used to do Mondays and Thursdays. And then uh, through the early sort of Roman Empire and stuff, they, they adopted it and then they adapted it to be Wednesdays and Fridays. Now, they chose Wednesdays because that was the day they wanted to remember that Jesus was betrayed on a Wednesday. And they chose Friday because they wanted to remember that that was the day that he died. And so they practiced that right throughout the church. And they believe even with Lent, the original Lent, which is 40 days, was actually like a, a full fast every day. So you'd fast till like you know, basically till you see a few stars in the sky at night and then you'd have your little meal at night. And they, they had to put in Sundays that you weren't to fast because people were so into this that they were going hard on it. And they're like, no, no, Sunday's about celebrating the resurrection and the life sort of thing. So we, on Sundays, please don't fast. We want to celebrate on Sundays because people were just so into this. This is such a huge part of, of, of their culture and the way that they did life. But it seems to have just completely sort of dropped off in the Western church in the last couple hundred years. Uh, this is from Richard Foster, um, many of you might know. For example, he said, in my research, I could not find a single book published on the subject of Christian fasting from 1861 to 1954, a period of nearly 100 years. So what is fasting? Um, this is a physical uh, definition. The physical definition is, is basically just going out with food, you know. Um, there's many different types of fasts, but in, in its basic form, it's just going without food. And Richard Foster defines it as um, like a spiritual or biblical fast. Is throughout Scripture, fasting refers to abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. So, like I said earlier, um, you could fast for health reasons, like intermittent fasting or something like that. But if you're fasting... Um, because you're trying to, you know, go deeper with God, that, that's actually something different. You, you're, you're going without food, but you're going without food for a spiritual purpose, right? Uh, Matthew 6, 16 to 18. Um, it's interesting here, Jesus um, says, when you fast, in verse 16, and then in 17, he says, but when you fast again. Uh, it doesn't say, if you fast. So, there's, a, there's, a, there's an expectation from Jesus that this would be a normal practice that Christians do. Now, um, it's not a commandment. So for everyone here who's up to this point, like, oh, please, Nick, stop. <laughs> I love food. I can't go more than 20 minutes without food. Grace. Grace and peace to everyone this morning, okay? 
Jesus never makes us a commandment. There's no commandment in the Bible that you have to fast. Jesus never says you must do this. Um, he just says it as an expectation. So he just expects that, that people, his followers, his apprentices, will do what he does, and they will grow in those things, and that's what he's expecting of us. But if you don't do it, you're not in trouble, okay? I just want to just put that out there. There's grace and peace. This is not a commandment. It's a, it's a way to grow in love in God, okay? So why do we fast? There's three main reasons, and the first one is to offer ourselves to God. That's the first and main reason. Um, God created us. We're his creation, and we want to we want to offer ourselves like in worship back to him. We want to just say, hey, Lord, everything in my life, I just give back to you, everything, including food. Even my want of food, I'm going to give back to you. I'm just going to lay it down at the altar and say, here, Lord, this morning, I give this to you. It says in Zechariah 7, 5, next slide, ask all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months for the past seven years, was it really for me that you fasted? See, Sometimes people can do these, uh, can do a fast for the wrong reasons. Like they can do it because they're wanting to appear to be more spiritual or, or maybe they're just doing it for health reasons or something like this. But when you fast, you have to do it with the right motive. Um, in, in Matthew 6, where Jesus is talking about that, you know, when you fast, and he, and he actually sort of has a go at the Pharisees for the way that they were kind of going on about it. The thing he's going on about there is, is not that you never tell anyone that you fast, um, you know, you can tell someone you, you do fasting. You can even tell you, oh, I do fasting on Wednesdays or something. There's nothing wrong with that. What Jesus is getting at is the motive. He's getting at the heart. And he's, he's getting get, get, what he's getting against with those Pharisees is about virtual signaling. Like They were like, look at me. I'm doing this good. I'm amazing. And he's like, he's like no, no, no. When you do this, just be a normal person. <laughs> Go about your normal work. You know, be as normal as you can be. Um, you don't have to be completely secret about this thing, but just be normal, because it's about the motive, it's about the heart. And our fasting, um, as Richard Foster said, must forever centre on God. It must be God-initiated, that God calls us to these things, and it must be God-ordained. Romans 12.1 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And what, um, what Paul's talking about there, he's not just talking about our, 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 our minds or our hearts. He's actually talking about our whole being. And our whole being includes our body. And I think sometimes we forget that. So in his essence, when we're fasting, we're actually, it's like we're praying with our body. Uh, we're giving this to, to God and we're sort of saying, I'm using my words, I'm using my mind, I'm giving you my body, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm hungering in this moment for you, God. I'm, I'm laying it all before your altar with everything that I've got. And the reward is, is the filling up of God's presence as we offer ourselves to him. Um, after Jesus talks to the woman at the well, he, he, says, I, he says to the disciples, they're like, oh, let's go get something to eat. You know, like, we're going to pop into town. Jesus, what do you want? Some Subway or a bit of McDonald's or Burger King? And he says, he says to them, he says, I've got food to eat that you know nothing about. And they're kind of like, hey, what are you talking about? You got some secret food in your pockets or something like But what he's talking about is, is that he has spiritual food that he's getting from the Father that's deeper than just physical food in his mouth. Fasting unto the Lord is therefore feasting or feasting on him 
and on doing his will, as Dallas Willard said. Like, it's, in a physical sense, it's horrible because you're, you're fasting, you're hangry, you're like, oh, I don't enjoy this kind of thing. But you're actually spiritually feasting on God. And it's a strange concept when you're in it because it doesn't feel like it when you're in it. Hey, if anyone's fasted before, generally you don't feel sometimes super spiritual when you're doing it and you don't feel like, oh, this is amazing. But you're actually spiritually feasting on God and on his word. The second reason is to grow in holiness. Now, holiness is a, um, a term um, you may have heard in church before. Uh, it, 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 I guess in a basic way, it's kind of just to grow in wholeness. If you think of the, the word whole, the W-H-O-L-E one, it's like when we, like the life of a Christian is not to stay the same. God meets us where we're at, hallelujah, like grace to that. Like he meets us wherever. We don't have to achieve anything. We don't have to meet any sort of standards. But God doesn't want us to stay there. He wants us to grow. And he calls us to a life of growth. Romans 7, 19 to 20, uh, Paul says this, For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Has anyone had this experience of life? (laughs) Well, basically, Paul's saying there is, I want to do the right things. In my head, I've got the right idea how to live life, but I keep doing the same things, like, why do I end up in front of the fridge again or that thing in my mouth or at that situation? Like, how do I, there's a, there's, what's going on here? Like, he's, he's, he's basically setting out what is the human condition problem. And that's to do with a thing called um, our sinful nature. Um, sometimes in the Bible you read about, the, it talks about the flesh. And it doesn't just, sometimes it's talking about your sort of body and stuff, but sometimes it's talking about our sinful nature, which is basically the part of us that's the warp part of us, that, that the sort of inordinate desires, the, the things that, are, that, are, that wants things that are not good sort of thing. And it's about um, how we have to actually kind of put that to death. Like we have to start crucifying the flesh. It says in Galatians 5.24, this is Paul talking to the church in Galatia. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Richard Foster says, more than any other dis- discipline, fasting reveals the things that controls us. This is wonderful benefit to the true disciple who longs to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We cover what, up what is inside us with food and other good things, but in fasting, these things surface. Now, I'd like to tell you from my experiences when I, I fast that I'm just in this amazing place of like, oh, I feel so good, and just, you know, hearing from God so clearly, and, and, I, and I'm just like so peaceful and calm. But generally, my experiences, particularly as a father, is that I'm often hangry. Anyone else have this problem? Low blood sugars, I'm angry, yeah, yeah. And, and like I'm coming out of like Bunnings and they've got that, that, that sausage sizzle going and those, oh, those caramelized onions are sizzling away and it's like, oh, it smells so good. And then you go past like the bread store and you can smell like these, the bread pumping out or that subway where they pump that smell out the window or, or like a coffee or something. It's like, oh, that's incredible. Like, and it's like, why am I doing this? This is awful. And, and what it is, is, is you're, you're dealing with King's stomach. This guy called Jensen Franklin says that when you fast, you're, you're dethroning King's stomach. And I actually like the, um, the I really love the way um, the Māori word for fasting is, is um, nohu, nohu puku. 
it basically kind of means um, like, uh, put, like put still your stomach or, 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 or sit your stomach. Like it's kind of like, no, 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 <laughs> I'm in charge here. Like <laughs> you're not in charge, I'm in charge here. It's like that's kind of what you're saying. Like you're saying, no, Jesus Christ is in charge here. Not my, not my eating. Even a good thing, is, it needs to come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ as I, as I fast. And fasting gives us, like, it's, it's, it's almost like a going to the gym. It's almost like, like, a, like going, to, going to sort of like CrossFit or something. Now, this is what um, St. Basil said in the early, early church, said, Fasting gives birth to prophets. She strengthens the powerful. Fasting makes lawgivers wise. She is a safeguard for the soul a steadfast companion for the body, a weapon for the brave, and a discipline for champions. Fasting repels temptations, anoints for godliness. She is a companion for sobriety, the crafter of a sound mind. In war, she frights bravely. In peace, she teaches tranquility. Uh, Go to the next slide, Johnny. Again, another thing where I was Googling CrossFit, there was lots of images. Yeah, yeah, this is the safest one I could put up. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't want to lead any of the women astray this morning. Eh? <laughs> um, I don't know if many of the people know this sport, CrossFit. I, as you can tell, I'm, I'm really into it, you know, like, I'm so strong. And so, but, um, but a lot of my family members are into it, and my son actually does it, and they like to watch it, and they're really into it. And, but basically, as far as, this is a layman's version of it, it's basically they're doing a whole lot of, like, um, sort of power movements and, and running and they put it together to sort of like, you know, cross the different fitness or something. Is that right? I'm getting close? Yeah, 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 yeah I got a thumbs up. But I, I actually thought about this. I, I think this is a really good image of, of what fasting is because it's like you're, you're combining um, prayer and you're combining fasting together. It's like you're bringing these disciplines together and you're exercising together to get stronger. Um, I used to think this about, um, you know, when Jesus was called into the desert for the you know, 40-day fast, so he was baptized by his, by his cousin in the, in the River Jordan, and then, he, then it says he was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert, into the wilderness, and then he fasted for 40 days. I used to think um, that, like, you know, Jesus was, like, super weak when Satan came to, to tempt him, but actually, um, often the word you use for tempting there. The better translation in the Greek is, is, is testing, like training, testing kind of thing. Like, so the devil came to test Jesus, and he, he met the test. And it's, it's, it's really interesting. Do you want to just go to the next slide, Johnny? Even though Jesus was, you know, he lived in a real body. He's still in a real body today, and he'll come back in a real body. He was physically super weak in that moment after 40 days. It does say after 40 days he was hungry. He was spiritually super strong. Like he had been at the CrossFit Games. He was super strong in his spirit so that when the, when the enemy came to test him, to challenge him, he was able to respond just like that, boom. So the first thing the devil comes to him is bread, you know? And he's like able to go, you know, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the Father straight out of Deuteronomy. Like he was able to just respond like that because he had been in communion deep communion and prayer with the Father for 40 days in the wilderness. He was, he was at the super gym for 40 days for when the enemy came, and he was able to defeat him easily in those three confrontations of the soul. 
So fasting is a way to sanctify your soul. There's a, there's a word sometimes people use in church, a fancy uh, theological term called sanctification. It's just, it's becoming more holy. It's becoming more whole, um, becoming more like Jesus. It's to be set apart as holy and dedicated to God for his special purposes. And the third reason is to amplify our prayers. Next slide. This is what I was talking about before. Um, you know, you can pray, you can just pray, and that's great. And you can fast without praying. <laughs> but if you put those two together, it's like dynamite. It's like two massive disciplines coming together. It's like boom, like, like I talked about before, that kind of CrossFit kind of image. Go to the next slide, Johnny. This is an image of um, Dunkirk. If, you, if you're not aware of this, there was a movie a couple of years ago. Basically, in the Second World War, the, the Nazis had overrun France, just like blitzed through, and the British soldiers had all just like basically got cornered on this little beach that was right on the corner of France, and there was 338,000 of them there, and they were trapped. And this was, the, this was the, pretty much the British army. Like, like, if they had been destroyed then, that probably would have changed the war in a massive way. There was no hope of rescue in time. So the British minister, Winston Churchill, is gearing up for annihilation. This is the last defence before England and the Third Reich's blitzkrieg advance. So what happens on Friday, the, May the 24th, King George, upon hearing the news of the impending invasion, called the nation to a day of fasting and prayer. Go to the next slide, Johnny. This is an image from Westminster Abbey. Tens of thousands of people literally lined up to get into Westminster Abbey in London to plead for God's mercy. And then some really interesting things happen. On, on Friday, May the 24th, Hitler issues a baffling order to his generals to stop their assault. Like, they were just there. Like, they, they had them for the picking. They, had, they were just gone. Like, and for some reason, Hitler rings through to his generals and says, stop. And they're like, what are you doing? Like, we've got them. Let's go. Let's go. And he's like, no, no, just stop. Just stop. Ten miles from Dunkirk. That's how far away they were, these, these tanks and soldiers. Then the city is enveloped in a strange mist that's a mixture of fog and smoke, and the German Luftwaffe, their air force, can't bomb the soldiers who are like sitting ducks on the beach. Then even stranger, the English Channel, which is well known for being um, having choppy water and high winds, is perfectly calm for three days. Historians say it was like bath water. Which, makes it, which made it actually possible for the next amazing thing was all these little small civilian boats crossed the channel and rescued the, these troops. So they got all these like, little boats little, that they would have been useless in a decent kind of weather, came across and they got all these soldiers and they got them um, back to England. That was just after hours after King George called for prayer. And they called that the miracle of Dunkirk. I don't know if that was a coincidence. I like to think it was God's intervention. And I kind of think that's something, it's a powerful picture of what happens when you bring prayer and fasting together and a nation came together. In Acts 13, verse 2 to 3, next slide. 
while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, see that together, they're worshipping and fasting together, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, who was going to become Paul, for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. It's something that goes hand in hand with prayer and with worship. Next slide, Johnny. This is what Pete Gregg says. The discipline of fasting can focus our prayers in a way that a magnifying glass can focus sunlight to start a fire. And I just thought there's a beautiful picture there in Acts uh, 13, verse 2 to 3, was that, you know, they're praying, they're worshipping, and then, no surprise, the Holy Spirit starts saying some key things to them, set apart these two dudes. Like, these guys are going to go do the mission, you know, and as we know, the Apostle Paul did a lot of mission. Like, the Holy Spirit in that moment, as they were obedient and as they're fasting and worshipping, they're hearing from the Holy Spirit really well. It's like, you know, like, like Pete Gregg says, it's like a magnifying glass that can focus sunlight to start a fire. It's just, it just, it's like dynamite for our prayer lives. Arthur Wallace wrote this, When exercised with a pure heart and a right motive, fasting may provide us with a key to unlock doors where others have failed. So how do we practice fasting? Um... Before I sort of get into some just some practical details there, I'd sort of be really, I found this really encouraging reading this story from uh, one of the books I was reading, Celebration of Discipline by um, Richard Foster. And in the book, they actually had a, a story from someone who had, had, had for two years committed to fast, you know, like sort of once a week sort of thing, and then kind of record how they went. And I, I thought it was really cool reading this reflection about how this person, as they went on this journey, how this was forming and shaping them. This is what he said. I felt it a great accomplishment to go a whole day without food. This is just at the start. I congratulated myself on the fact that I found it so easy. Next stage. Began to see that the above was hardly the goal of fasting. Was helped in this by beginning to feel hunger. Next stage. Began to relate the food fast to other areas of my life where I was more compulsive. I did not have to have a seat on the bus to be contented or to be cool in the summer and warm when it was cold. Next stage, reflected more on Christ's suffering and the suffering of those who are hungry and have hungry babies. Next stage, six months after beginning the fast discipline, I began to see why a two-year period had been suggested. The experience changes along the way. Hunger on fast days becomes acute, and the temptation to eat stronger. For the first time, I was using the day to find God's will for my life. Began to think about what it meant to surrender one's life. And then the last stage, he said, I, know, I now know that prayer and fasting must be intricately bound together. There's no other way, and yet that way is not yet combined in me. I thought it was really interesting, just as, a, as I finished this morning, when you're talking about where could you start. Um, I know for some people in the room, you've done fasting before, and you're like, yeah, yes and amen, I'm all for that. I know some people in the room on the other end of the scale, they're like, I could never do that. And... That's okay, grace and peace to you as well. And I know there's people in the middle who are like, oh, yeah, I could potentially go there. Um, I just want to say, just start small, like with anything of these things. Start small. It might be something simple like you decide to just, on a Wednesday, I might just skip breakfast and go to lunchtime. Um, we have a, a, 
We have a fasting group here at the church, so there's actually people in this community who, who on Wednesdays are kind of basically covenanted to, to fast and pray together for the church and to hear from Holy Spirit together. So we've got a WhatsApp group that's part of that. So if you'd like to be part of that, um, even, if, even if you're not fasting, you're still trying to sort of get there. You, you want to get there, but you're just sort of like, okay, I want to make a start. You could, you could ask to be part of that, and we'll, we'll put you on there. And then you might just start by going, okay, I'm going to go to lunchtime. And then you might push it a little bit further and go, okay, I'm going to go to dinner time on Wednesdays or something. And then you might go, I'm going to hold, I'll go a whole day. Well, I might go a couple of days. Um, I might, and some people might be called to go longer. And again, it's a thing of grace and what God's calling us to. But it's about building this practice into our life. I, I've been doing that on Wednesdays for quite a while now. And I, I find it's my, the day that I feel like the clearest. I, I hear from God the most. I find I, 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 it's a challenge, but I, I, I feel like it's, I look forward to it in a, in a weird kind of way. I know that sounds strange, but it's like I'm like, oh, I'm looking forward to this day because it's like middle of my week and it's like I reset for the week, I fast, I hear from God, and then it's like, and then I'm being part of that group's really great because it's just so encouraging knowing others are praying and fasting with you. So take baby steps. If you've never fasted before, then just start with one meal, like I said. And once you've tried that for a few times, try fasting from your evening meal one day to your evening meal the next day. As you fast, look for what begins to stir in you that you normally keep at bay through comfort, eating, and drinking. If anger, for example, starts to rise, invite God into it and ask him what the cause of that anger really is. Use the time you would normally be eating to read your Bible and pray. Um, some other resources are just up, up here on the, on the screen. Um, you, I, I realize people are at varying levels of what they want to engage with these things and... and some people are readers and some people are not. Um, I actually find Richard Foster's book, Celebration of Discipline, just fantastic for anything about spiritual formation. This is a great uh, thing. Uh, I, I read this book like in my 20s and I was like, man, this is awesome. This is great. And then I just put it to the side and, and didn't put it into practice. And it's a big thing we've been talking about here is that information doesn't lead to transformation unless you start putting these things into practice. And so I've you know, been rereading that recently as we prepared this series. And I'm like, man, this is gold. Like, that was written back in like the 1970s. There's, um, there's the Rule of Life um, podcast thing. I can put these links up on our fa Facebook page, and that just has like, these interviews um, talking about the various stages of fasting with John Mark Coma. And there's the Practicing Way material that some of the groups are cycling through as well, which has the fasting practice, which has four sessions in there where they unpack this into greater detail, which is brilliant. And like I said before, we've got the WhatsApp group. Um, but there's lots of ways that you can engage in this. And so I guess today I just wanted to put the challenge out to you guys is just like start thinking about it. Um, start opening yourself up to the Holy Spirit that this could be something that you might want to bring into your spiritual practice to, to allow God to form and shape you. Um, is that all right? Awesome. Why don't we stand?